0: And we are recording yet again with Mr. Brennan Weikert, and uh, I have, uh, uh, I have been bitching about how I don't feel good today, and you are down in the uh, heart of darkness, getting destroyed, not having basic utilities, but uh, <laughs> and of course I have the gall to sit here and tell you that I have a runny nose. So, um, <laughs> with that, Mr. Weikert, please introduce yourself for everybody
1: yes thank you for having me again i am brandon weikert you can follow me via twitter at we the brandon i have written uh two books now winning space how america remains a superpower and my second book is coming out in uh six days yeah uh on uh, the middle east called the shadow war iran's quest for supremacy i have a third book as well coming out with encounter books May sixteenth, twenty twenty three, called biohacked China's race for, uh, race to control life, and oh so, yeah, yeah. So working on the fourth as well, right? Now. <sighs> You're a madman. You're a madman. Yeah.
0: The first book is fantastic. Well, I need the money, actually. Uh, well, I, I, regardless. I mean, hey, you know, I I've done nine hundred and forty eight episodes, and it's yeah. one, it's a madman. Two, it's a passion. Three, it's I need the that's money. Right.
1: It's that's right. Um, how do you
0: work so hard? Well, you know, I I run on food and water and uh, right. so that's right funny little incentive <laughs> that is but uh uh yeah winning space is great you and i went over that uh yeah. i think in one of our early episodes i'll put the that's link right. to the book in uh, the description and i know that you're i have it on my calendar um i have whenever i have a guest i sometimes i get confused because if i have a guest who's has a book coming out i have them in my calendar but i'll put it in like, yeah. six months ahead and I'm like, yeah. am I interviewing them today or is there just do I need yeah. to text them about a book? Yeah. But I know I have. Right. Because the focus of this book, if I'm not mistaken, is Iran.
1: That's right. That's right. So basically the well, the whole thing is and it's in the news recently. Uh, you know, Iran, the Democratic Party, since Jimmy Carter, has been obsessed with basically empowering the radical Islamists of Iran believing falsely that they represent the majority opinion of Iran. And by playing nice with them and normalizing relations with them, particularly the Democratic Party here in the United States, believes that they will create a more lasting, durable peace. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why former President Obama and now President Biden have been so committed to trying to do the nuclear deal with Iran, the notion that If we simply uh, work. Iran into the international system like we did with China, we all know how that turned out. Uh, but if we simply normalize that regime and and make them like a regular country, we do trade, we do business, we allow them to get nuclear weapons on a on a timeline that we think is conducive to us, that will lower the desire for the from the Iranian regime to act crazy, uh, and will also allow for us to step away from the region. Uh, so that uh, uh, the Iranians will then start balancing against the Saudis as well as the Israelis, and that might create some kind of stable peace. Of course, it's this is a very naive theory, and I get into that. Why that's a bad idea, Uh, I talk about in the book, the history of the regime. This is not a status quo regime in Iran. This is a revolutionary regime. Actually, there's a lot of similarity between this regime and the communist regime of the Soviet Union. They're both radical revolutionaries. They are sort of, in the beginning, formulated the same way. There's a lot of psychological similarities between Lenin and the founder of the Iranian regime, uh, the Grand Ayatollah Khomeini, who died in the 80s. Um, but basically, this is not a regime that we really should be doing business with and trying to empower because that doing business with them and making them normal will only inspire more radicalism from that regime because they will think we are weak and they will then seek to basically you know, run roughshod over the region. And so Um, The book is all about it's kind of a warning about the dangers of this, this push by the Democrats to normalize Iran. It's talking about the threats that Iran poses, not just to Saudi Arabia, our ally or Israel, another ally in the region, but also to us closer to home. Because for the last 15 years, the Iranians have really worked hard to ingratiate themselves with Latin American countries like Cuba, like Venezuela. They're expanding now. Ecuador. Possibly in Buenos Aires, in the tri state area, all as a part of a larger plan to better threaten the United States closer to home, the way they think we threaten them closer to their home. So that's what the book's about. It's about that quiet, silent war that's gone on since the founding of the regime and some of the dangers of what some of our political elites, like the Democrats, want to do, namely make peace and do business with this regime. It will not end the way they think it will.
0: Don't they throw gay people off buildings?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, the reason right now Iran is in the headlines is because a young woman, a very beautiful, I think, 24, 25 year old woman decided she wasn't fully wearing a hijab, a face covering. And the morality police arrested her and uh, took her to a van and and beat her, uh, murdered her. Did God knows what to her, and then threw her body out as a sign to other women. And rather than do what they normally do and just simply accept that, uh, the people of Iran, notably the young women, are rising up in mass protest to the point that this is probably the greatest threat to the regime's survival since 1979. And in fact, it now is the time that the biden administration the supposed defenders of free speech and democracy and all that should be you know beating their chests saying we will not do business with iran we will not until they until they fix this problem until they stop beating their and murdering their own people but this is the time for some reason that biden has chosen to make nice with this regime at its weakest point normally you want to let your enemies die at their weakest point mm-hmm. you want to push them over you don't want to do business with them
0: so i i understand that like um yeah as i get older i'm 32 i'm less and less naive you know mm-hmm. whereas 10 years ago if i you know someone had said don't they behead gay people i'd be like yeah you know what, what are the democrats doing and it doesn't make it any better now mm-hmm. but it's more of like uh i've read enough books and i'm like yeah i i get that it's like there's a lot of reality in the world of like, we also killed a lot of civilians in world war II from firebombing. Like it's not Mm. all, it's not all, you know, rainbows and puppies, but like, if we are going to draw the line at like Russia doing Mm. the, the unforgivable sin of invading a sovereign territory, like Iraq in 2003. Mm. And if we're going to sit here and, you know, everyone changed their profile picture and Slava Ukraine and, give them, what, $78 billion in 10 months. Okay, okay, like, I'm all right. If we're going to, you know, if we're going to plant our feet in one direction and say we're against that, okay. Like, I'll I'll walk that out. But then why? Like, I wouldn't even, and I'm not for any of it because I haven't served and I don't want to serve, but, like, it wouldn't even be as bad if we, like, kept sending aid to Ukraine, which I don't even want to talk about this podcast, but just... And then, like, we're also aiding like the revolutionaries in Iran. Like, if you're gonna go right. in one direction,
1: go in a direction. Right. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do right. it, I agree.
0: Do it, right? If you're gonna right. do the thing, do the thing. But right. this is just—it's less of like even like a critique of just a knee jerk. Oh, Biden's bad, and more of like a right. What is even? Right. What is it? Why? Why? So, and then I have to walk it out and go. They're not stupid. You don't have to like them, but they're not stupid. So why are we doing this? Is it well, because and- the peace in the or a, a balanced? Israel, Iran, Saudi. That's yeah, that's so that's the
1: working theory. I talk about this in detail in the book, and I pull out like Stephen Walt. Who is, uh wrote the Israel Lobby with John Mearsheimer. Okay. Um, Stephen Walt is like one of the doyens of realpolitik in America. Uh, he's been what, for 15 years saying after the Iraq war, we have to make nice with Iran because we can't balance against them, blah, blah, blah. I disagree fully with that um, it, it, for the reasons I stated at the beginning. This is not a status quo regime. This is a regime that believes it is their job, their God-given duty to basically make war upon the believers to maybe even precipitate the apocalypse to free the 12th imam from the well uh this is this is what a group of the core leadership of Iran's ruling class really believes this is not this is not dealing with even the soviet union this is dealing with a millenarian apocalyptic religious cult um, so you can't do business with them. No. But the the Democrats, this is in the book, I track with going with Jimmy Carter all the way to Obama, there is this very dangerous proclivity on the part of the Democrats since 1979, to try to make nice and empower Islamist parties and groups of both the Shiite Muslim and Sunni Muslim world. Um, so Carter, and I found evidence to support this, and I talk about this in the book, Carter actually became very friendly with Khomeini, the Grand Ayatollah, when Khomeini was in uh, exile in Paris. Uh, And rather than telling him to stay out of it, Carter basically said to Khomeini that so long as you support America and its war against the Soviet Union, Uh, we will let you come back to Iran and basically take over from the Shah, who was our client until that point. Um, And in fact, the Shah of Iran, the king, uh, pro-America, but he was old and dying and he was very vicious and autocratic in his own way, a lot like Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia today. Uh, Not the old part, but the fact that he was autocratic. Um, The the Shah uh, general's When the the Shah was being threatened, the generals wanted American backing to basically go in and wipe out all the Islamist revolutionaries that were in the streets and all the Marxist guerrillas that were working with the Islamist revolutionaries to try to kick the Shah out. And the Carter administration said no. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to let Khomeini come in. We're going to let the Shah leave. Uh, and when the Shah has gone, Khomeini comes in. And then we're going to use our our ability, our power to pressure you generals into supporting Khomeini. And then the generals were like, if we do that, he's going to kill us. And that's precisely what happened. Uh, we sent in a guy named General Robert Heiser, who was then the head of NATO. Uh, he was the Supreme Commander. He was a U.S. Air Force general. He did not want this assignment, but he was ordered to do it. And he went down there to try to basically get the generals to not kill Khomeini when Khomeini landed and uh, he, it worked, but then ultimately Khomeini did as those generals feared. And he turned on the generals and murdered all of them, uh, or imprisoned them. Uh, and basically from that moment on though, the democratic party wanted to do business with Khomeini, the democratic party under Carter initially supported the Mujahideen in neighboring Afghanistan against the Soviets. Reagan continued that, but that policy was initiated because the Democrats fundamentally believed that the Islamists were better allies for the Americans than the autocrats of the Middle East against the Soviets. Uh, And that carried all the way through to the post-Cold War era, uh, where you had, if you remember, um, in 2011, during the Arab Spring, uh, you had Obama President Obama uh, supporting the Muslim Brotherhood in Mm -hmm. Egypt, overthrowing uh, Mubarak. Now, Mubarak was a vicious guy, but he was our guy and he consistently delivered, uh, you know, what he said he would for us. Um, And Obama said, no, we're not going to we're not going to support this anymore because he's so mean. We're going to support the elected group, the group that's most popular. Well, we associated. The one that won the election with the most popular, but what it was just like the Bolsheviks, the Muslim Brotherhood wasn't the most popular. They were just the best organized and the most vicious. And so they rose to power because all the other liberal Democrats that were trying to overthrow Mubarak in Egypt Uh, were not as organized and uh, for a period of time the muslim brotherhood ruled egypt and started moving egypt away from the united states and closer to russia and china and started threatening israel and started doing things that were very dangerous for american national interests in the region and that pattern of supporting islamists continued not just in egypt but we did it in libya we did it in Syria. We are doing it still in Syria. Um, You know, and now, of course, we're doing it also with the Iranians trying to to make nice with that Islamist regime. And in the book, what I do is I show that while there is a divide between Shiite and Sunni Muslim, when it comes to Islamist parties, there is a linkage. And basically, there was a guy named Nafab Savavi uh, in the 50s and 60s who was an Iranian cleric, very popular, well-dressed, very well-spoken, uh, clean-cut, uh, uh, well-educated guy, but he was uh, a proud Islamist, and he was young Ayatollah Khomeini's best friend. Uh, at the time, Khomeini was not a radical. He just he st- stuck to his religion, his religious studies. Nafab Savavi, though, was a, a, a student of none other than Saeed Khatoub, and Saeed Khattab was one of the founders of the Muslim, or one of the leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood. He was a Sunni. Uh, he was the one who lived in America for a period of time and became disgusted with our culture, wrote a very famous book called Milestones. He was Egyptian. Uh, when he came back to Egypt from his time in America, he basically said America is the great Satan and it has to be destroyed. Ultimately, uh, Kutub would die in an Egyptian prison, but not before imparting his teachings to Safab Nefabi, um, who was uh, an Iranian and went back to Iran, became friends with Khomeini, shared these theories with Khomeini, was ultimately killed by the Shah because he was a radical. But the the idea stuck in Khomeini's mind and ultimately, you know, traveled with him until he himself took up the mantle. And so there is a connective tissue of this Islamist ideology between the Sunni and the Shiite worlds. Uh, and the Democrats have done a bang-up job of supporting both groups, much to America's detriment.
0: The, what, so the cynical part, the cynical part of me, I look at it and I go... I mean, whatever whatever anyone says officially, I, I I tend to look at it and go, well, that's probably bullshit, right? Right. Uh, we got to liberate right. this or we got to deliver eh, sh- Shut up, right. right? We we don't actually care about the people of Berlin. It was, there was an airlift because screw the Soviets. It's just, right. I'm not for or against, it's just what it is. You know, it's just a sober examination of the chessboard. When I see this, I, I hadn't thought about it until you had said it. You know, my first kind of go to, and it's not an original thought at all, is this seems to be the machinations of a military industrial complex. You know, you, you can only bomb a tent so many times. What about right. if you give them some weapons, really let them get them going? Right. You know, then it's mm-hmm. then they're a real threat. right? You know, an Afghani or an Iraqi or an Iran, they'll never be the threat that like a good old Soviet Union was right. They right. they're white, too, and they've got missiles. So that's my first thought. But then I I tend to think it's probably what you pointed out is. Maybe there is some true believerness in this. And I don't know. And and maybe they're not mutually exclusive. Maybe it, it works to they that's exactly right. Maybe it works to give you know, let's make them a little bit of a real enemy, keep that war right. machine going. But there might also be maybe there is a maybe there is a peace. If they've all got guns, nuclear right. guns to each other's head. You know, it does sound wild, but at the same time, has there been an atomic bomb drop since in warfare since august 9th no
1: but we are rapidly approaching that we cliff. are rapidly
0: approaching that cliff and i don't you know
1: yeah, yeah. and um, i will i will say that um the way i and i said this to uh, a few years ago um the group at hillsdale their radio show and i'm forgetting now what it was called but um basically and i wrote about this at the american spectator back in 2019 basically the way i look at iran under the the current regime is it's a lot like the soviet union was in the 1920s and 30s it's disorganized it's still relatively weak but it's getting stronger and it's getting more anti-american and so if we normalize relations with iran and if we let them get the bomb um without so much as a pushback from us um i believe that what will happen is the same kind of trajectory that happened with the Soviet Union will happen with the Islamic Republic, wherein it starts out as a small violent kind of disorganized thing. But then because we keep feeding that particular beast, hoping that it won't eat us, it grows and grows and grows until it becomes the kind of threat that the Soviet Union was. Because the Soviet Union did not begin as this great power threat to the United States that evolved over the course of several decades because we kept ignoring the threat. Yeah. Um, and I think the same thing could play out unless that regime is overthrown in these protests, which I don't know if it will be, especially since we're not piling on. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Also, um, you know, back to your point before about Ukraine and Iran, um, it does beg the question, if we're going to support for supposedly purely altruistic and, means yeah why are we not doing this for the people of iran who truly are in many cases most cases non-violently protesting for their freedom yeah. and the only thing i can think of is the hunter biden connection i don't believe the protesters of iran have paid off hunter biden mm-hmm. enough
0: um because that's not even a bad point like all jokes aside that's not even a what because why not
1: and Right. And also, I think it marries up with this kind of ideological fixation on the part of most Democrats, this belief that the Americans in Iran with the 1953 coup, which, by the way, was not our idea. uh, Well, it wasn't even Britain. It was the generals of Iran. Uh, And I get into that in the book. How I went through and I and the history is so convoluted because the Marxists in the West have managed to rewrite the history to make it where America and Britain and, were the yeah, bad guys. They
0: thought it was like Kermit Roosevelt and it like, was
1: Kermit Roosevelt was on the ground. But what happened was
0: circus strongman.
1: Right, right. The reason that the Democrats want to support these Islamist groups is because of this sense of guilt that we bullied throughout the Cold War okay. the people and oh we were so imperialistic and colonial and terrible and we put these autocrats in who were unpopular. But in fact, the Shah was the constitutional head of government of Iran. And I talk about this in the book. So. And
0: question. yeah, And I yeah. And of course, you know only I have the uh, ability to. Why? Why do I interview you a week before your book out? Why don't I just have the patience to read the fucking book? But we'll do another one in a week. Yeah. But so is this something that? So I get what you're saying, right? Hey, no, that wasn't. You know, that was big bad America. That was imperialism. That was CIA. That was you right. know manipulating and you know, well, okay, the poor people of the indigenous world. You know, it's the whole dull banana. You know, right? right. butler Butler. Okay. Okay, I get right. that. Now. So this is where I think the the point needs to be I guess we got to try to reach something do they actually do they actually believe the the fiction then that is what we're proposing that it wasn't the CIA it was the generals and thus they are coming from a point of true belief that we have to sort of almost like slavery almost kind of do like an affirmative action reparations or are they concocting that story to justify it in which case why are they doing that? Is that well? A, when you that a when you say question? the they, who's the, so, they so, the so so sorry, I'm not I'm not putting this clear. So so I'm you know I say oh that's because we knocked over their government, and you're saying no 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 no. That's what the Marxists are saying to make us look bad. The reality is, is with the Iranian generals, right? Right. And so right. we have to go do everything that we're doing today in 2022 to make up for what we did in 53. So my question is. Are they knowingly perpetuating a lie okay. that that we were involved in fifty three? No,
1: I think the Democrats really believe truly
0: believe the lie. Okay, because
1: look at their education. Most of these guys, like Jake Sullivan, are coming from the Ivy Leagues, where this is all taught without question. Okay, okay. And all the Marxists are running our education system. And it was going back to the Cold War. It was a Soviet lie that the Americans the, the, did this the, to the Iranians because it benefited. Yes, um, in fact, the Got Americans it. permit. Kermit Roosevelt, who was our guy on the ground during the coup, Kermit Roosevelt took credit um, and it pissed off the British because the MI6 was saying, hold on a second. Iran was our client. That was our BP oil, baby. British Petroleum. (laughs) That's right. The generals of Iran were so angry because what happened was the socialist pro-Soviet Mohammed Mossadegh, who became prime minister, decided I wanna get rid of the Shah. And therefore he initiated a coup against the head of government, the Shah, because he knew that the Shah was going to ask him to step down. And the Shah fled the country because the Shah was afraid that he was going to get killed because Mossadegh was better at political maneuvering than the Shah was. And the general stood up and said, this is BS. The prime minister Mossadegh is acting in contravention to our constitution. They phoned the British. They said, MI6, we need your support. Please help us. The British said, we can help you, but we need the Americans as well. So the, the British worked with the generals to create this plan to stop Mossadegh. And then they needed American resources, at which point, very late in the game, the CIA got on the ground with Kermit. And of course, in typical American fashion, Kermit took all the credit at the end and said, oh, the British were a sideshow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, And so now ultimately it blew back because now the British get to walk away like they were really not that involved. And in today's world, that's a good thing because the Marxists have rewritten our history so much, America's always the bad guy. But actually, the bad guy was the socialist Mossadag who tried to overthrow his constitutional government because he didn't like the Shah. It was a constitutional monarchy. That's what they lived in. It was like Britain, where there's the head of state, the king or the queen. In this case, it was the Shah. And then there was the the king-selected the, you know, ask the prime minister, plea after an election, will you represent me in the parliament? will you lead our government? And that's what he did for Masadaq because Masadaq Masadaq won the election. But after a while, Masadaq got too big for his britches and said, we're going to be a social democracy with myself as as the leader. I'm going to both be the prime minister and the head of state. We're going to get rid of the Shah. And that's when the problem arose. The Americans only got involved at the request of our allies, the British, and the British only got involved because the constitutional government, of the shah was trying to protect itself from a pro-soviet overthrow now this is the history that no one teaches our people today it's always america went in for the oil and we did and that all happened afterward we kind of reorganized everything Mm -hmm. afterward because the americans were like hey look we got to get paid for being involved now and the payment was we're going to get involved on the oil action as well but all that came after
0: yeah okay okay so i i get it so all right, that's and then my main question was: is then do they? Does the left or the Marxists? Do the Western Marxists? Tr- is that what they truly believe? Or I think they, they do. Okay, my question is: maybe I was trying to make that's just my own conspiratorial mind. I was like, are they pushing that lie? But they know the truth. In which case, what's the? But then no, that's, that's no. No, that's I way think off
1: into, the, okay. the Democrats are true believers. Um okay. you have to remember when we and you see this pattern. I talk about this in the book, even though the book is about Iran. I, I identify the pattern. You see this in 2011 in Egypt where you had a group of the Democrats like Hillary Clinton, um, Robert Gates, maybe Biden. I don't remember now if Biden was on their side, but basically there was this big divide in the Obama White House. Do we support Mubarak like we've always done? Do we play it safe or do we support the protesters in the street, even though we know most of them probably are going to support or be Islamists and that could usher in an Al Qaeda friendly government? Ben Rhodes and the idealists, uh, you know, uh, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, John Kerry, all of those people in the Obama administration, I guess John Kerry was on the outside at this point, but definitely Susan Rice and them, uh, and certainly Ben Rhodes. Uh, and Ned Price were all arguing we have to risk it because we don't want to be on the wrong side of history again as we were in 1953. If we side with the Islamists in Egypt, uh, unlike what we did in 1953, Iran will be rewarded. We will be thanked. Uh, we will be in the long run pay off because we will have a government that better represents the people of Egypt uh, than just keeping the autocrat in power. And as it turned out. As soon as the Muslim Brotherhood took power, they ended up shutting down the democratic government that was forming, just like uh, Lenin did with the against the Mensheviks. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood took power through election, and then they stopped all elections. They took power of the government. Uh, Mohammed Morsi was the president of the Muslim Brotherhood the government, and basically he indefinitely canceled elections uh, and started moving the country away. In fact, at one point he threatened to shut down the Suez Canal. Uh, in the event of a crisis between China and the United States over Taiwan, we would need to move our ships through the Suez Canal to get to the Pacific quicker from the Atlantic and the Mediterranean. And Mubarak, uh, uh, Morsi said, now that I'm the president, we will not allow Americans to have access to hurt the Chinese. So this was a big power shift that Obama was letting happen that was inimical to U.S. interests because of this idiotic, naive belief that well the Americans have always been the bad guy in the region since the cold war because we've supported the vicious autocrats better to support these islamist groups in both sunni and shiite worlds uh regardless of what it does to our near term interests which of course it never helps our near term interests it's this guilt complex
0: yeah so then um i guess the question that we would the the natural question that's begged is do they truly believe in Ukraine? Is this a true belief that we're or is there something else going on? Is there a is there a lie going on? Just to, well, to, to jump yeah. from fifty three Iran. Let's yeah. is there a pattern? And obviously No, I, I think I think dead, but.
1: I genuinely believe most of the Democrats on some level like ideologically are in lockstep with what's going on in Ukraine. Sure. And I get it. I also I also think, though, I also think in terms of the president and I have no proof of this, but I I do think that the fact that his son was on the board of charisma for 10 years, making fifty thousand dollars a week. For 10 years. I think it was like eight or 10 years. <laughs> um, think about that money. Yeah, that's and the we, politician we, who's we giving know,
0: 100K to a hooker. Just, right.
1: We know who, what Biden, Hunter Biden's proclivities were. We know what they are. Um, yeah. Who knows what kind of dirt the Ukrainian government got on the vice, the then vice president's son. And now the president's son God. going into an election. You have to wonder why is Biden... So gung ho about nuclear war with Ukraine, but he won't do a thing for the people of Iran. I
0: mean, yeah, not even, not even the whole you know, support the people, democracy, and right? The feminism. What, what,
1: it's because Biden ideologically wants to believe that we are at fault for all the situation in Iran, so he's going to keep supporting what he thinks is the popular government there of Iran, the Islamists, and at the same time, through Hunter Biden, the Ukrainian government probably has a lot of dirt. On the Biden crime family, and that is why Biden is basically on a beach sipping pina coladas right now in Delaware, even as he's talking about very glibly the possibility of nuclear, nuclear war. war. Even as Zelensky, the president of of Ukraine, who again I support generally sure. I support, sure. uh, but even as the president Zelensky is irresponsibly, I think, asking Americans to preemptively strike with nukes Russian which targets,
0: is, which is And on, on on a side note, uh you know, people always kind of lose their minds over Ukraine and Russia. Like, it's okay to hold... This is just kind of, like a side. It's okay to hold two beliefs. Like, it's... in much the same way if a radical Islamist came over here and started grilling me about drone strikes, mm. and then they actually spent five years with me and lived here, they'd go, oh, wait, you are as helpless against Langley as I am. And I'd be like, right. yeah, dude, just, right. I can barely afford my groceries. Like, well, in the same way, yeah. it's okay to it's okay to scold, you know, maybe the actions of a government of Ukraine, Russia, but like that, that also doesn't mean you're heartless. That doesn't mean like you don't feel for the people who are being shelled or even conversely feel bad for the the poor Russian fucks who, you know, at a time when I was in college trying to get laid, they have to go invade, you know, whatever. Right. You know, it's okay to hold two, but that's just a little yes, aside.
1: But, but I do think that, it's very interesting that the, the the Biden administration is willing to go to nuclear war, at least verbally, uh, over democracy and freedom in Ukraine, but not in Iran. Not that I'm saying we should risk nuclear war for sure. that, but I'm just saying it's, it's interesting. And especially when, while it is not in our interests, and this is why I do say I support Ukraine to a point, it is not in our interest to let Russia gain a greater foothold in Europe. It is also not in our interest, even more so, to allow for Iran, which is a proxy for both Russia and China, to gain dominance. Yeah. In the Middle East, which is a very important geostrategic location, if only because of the oil upon which we are increasingly reliant on because President Biden has down destroyed the our domestic. It, yes. And
0: sell the strategic oil yes. reserves and shut yes. down. Yes,
1: it makes no sense. This is where None the cynicism, this, this is where the cynicism sure. starts to come in, sure. because you go, sure.
0: you go, OK, if we're going to, like we said earlier, if we're going to if we're going to support Ukraine and the invasion of a sovereign land, and it's also a lot easier because, you know, hey, guess what? They're white and they look like us and they live in apartment buildings instead of there being 5,000-year-old mosques. That, that's right. Tim Dillon. That, that's a comedian going, that's why people give a shit. Make no mistake. Right. It's because they have right. street lights like we do, and they look right. like us. But let's just drop that cynicism and go, okay, we're against the invading of a sovereign nation and the shelling of civilian cities. Sure, we could probably all fucking agree on that. The money, the aid, the inflate, whatever, it's just on paper. Okay, that makes sense. And then... The first speed bump is we're not okay, we're not going to support the the feminists in Iran and the gay people being thrown off buildings and beheaded. Right. OK, there's one thing. The next level is, is now we are also opposed to Russia because they are the big bad Russian bear. But we're not opposed to a Russian proxy Iran. Right. Furthermore, we are willing to ramp up our own nuclear saber rattling with Russia because we need to preemptively stop a nuclear war and right. in the same breath, we're going right. to give nukes to the proxy of right. Russia, who right. are also fucking over innocent right. civilians right. like Ukraine, which to me says if there's yeah. that much of a divide and logic, right. and these people at the helm may be evil, but they're not stupid, then yeah, holy shit, blackmail is a hell of a weapon.
1: Oh, it is. It is. And you can just imagine what the Chinese have on Hunter. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, this is a nightmare. Um, we have a compromise, I mean actually remember remember Trump was supposedly the Manchurian candidate yeah. for Putin and yet he blew up 400 Russian mercenaries in the Syrian desert.
0: yeah, what yeah he, he,
1: you know, he and Derazdor. he, uh, you know, he got us out of the uh, anti-ballistic missile treaty so we could build more sophisticated weapons to destroy Russia. Mm-hmm. He gave the lethal aid in far greater numbers than Obama ever did to Ukraine during his presidency, Trump. Uh, and that lethal aid is the reason for why Ukraine was able in the early months of the war uh, that began in February between, with Russia, that's why they were able to be so successful in stopping the Russian invasion of Kiev. It was the weapons that Trump gave them not the weapons that Biden gave them. In fact, the first year of Biden's presidency, he started slowing down the military aid into Ukraine. This is not remembered well. It's not reported very well in 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 the media, yeah. but that is a fact is that so it up is down right now with it when it comes to Biden. Uh, you have to wonder what is going on behind the scenes? Um, you know, Remember, Biden was the guy that authorized the Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh, last year that precipitated. There's a direct line. I think you and I talked about this in one of our previous episodes. There's a direct link between Biden sitting down with Putin last summer Uh, At a summit and authorizing, removing the sanctions that Trump had put on that pipeline to allow for the finalization of the construction of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline linking Russian natural gas sources with Europe via Germany through the Baltic Sea. Um, That Trump had said, that's a bad idea. We can't do this. Biden came in and said, we're going to rip that sanctions off and we're going to let Russia do that. The money that Putin made and was going to make is the reason why they have a Russian invasion now in Ukraine because the funding mechanism, every time the 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 price of, fossil fuels is high for a period of time, Russia invades one of their neighbors in 08. They invaded Georgia Georgia. after several, after several years of the oil being super high, the oil prices because of America's domestic energy revolution crash after 2014. And from 2014 till the day that Mr. Biden takes power 2020, the Russians could do little more than, than make angry faces at the Ukrainians. But then the, the prices spike again, partly because of COVID shutdowns, also because of the the Nord Stream 2, and also because Biden is killing our domestic energy uh, production. And that's when Putin says, I now have the money to invest in my war machine and do what I want. And I think Biden's a pushover anyway, and I'm going to run roughshod quickly. Now, of course, it wasn't a quick war. And in fact, you mentioned Iraq. I I was on Bannon's show about six months ago, War Room, uh, because of the piece I wrote in American Greatness, in which I said, basically, Vladimir Putin is Russia's George W. Bush. He is a true believer in regime change, in this case, uh, against Ukraine rather than Iraq. And he did a very irresponsible, sloppy war of choice that really was, was completely unnecessary. It was completely unnecessary, just like the Iraq war was under George W. Bush. And like George W. Bush, Vladimir Putin is surrounded by a bunch of crazy ideologues who believe it's their mission to change the world, to reflect their their sense of who they are Uh, and it's it's very similar the the neocons of George W. Bush's age and the neo-Eurasianists who surround uh, uh, Vladimir Putin today
0: I'm really trying to like because I think you and I are both you and I have been both very open about you know support for Trump and dislike of Biden so but I'm I'm, so but I'm really trying to not even just fall into that I'm trying to look at this objectively
1: Mm -hmm. well I am too
0: yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm not saying you're not. No, I mean for anybody listening, people are always like, "I can't believe you tried that." I'm like, I'm sorry for trying to see how other people right. think. And um, so I'm trying to think. Blackmail, right? Because Ukraine and and I Iran are uh, at best case, it's because of. I mean, this is a what a perfect control group. I mean, now that right. I think about it, and. Would the reason? So maybe we're getting blackmailed by Ukraine to do this, right? And I'm wondering, and who knows, maybe this is giving them too much credit. The current U.S. uh uh administration. Maybe we're getting blackmailed by Ukraine, and I wonder if there's almost some sort of like back channel communication with Russia, kind of like there was in 1962. Oh yeah. And, and I wonder if we're like, hey, like, hey, we'll take the Jupiter missiles out of Turkey. I wonder if it's almost like. We'll let your proxy make a ton of ground. So on paper, it looks like we are supporting Ukraine because they've got me by the nuts. But we'll let you sort of make grounds here. Let's avoid thermonuclear holocaust. And it's yeah, not maybe, good. I'm just maybe. That's the only thing I can I don't I don't of. think
1: there's a lot of back channeling right now. I yeah. think the problem right now is that Biden is on autopilot because he doesn't want to rock the boat with Ukraine because of the I don't, I don't think he's in, I don't
0: think he's I don't think he's I'm not even trying to be funny. I don't I don't think it's He's in charge. I think there's
1: No, I don't either, but I do think that he is on autopilot, particularly when it comes to Ukraine and his people are as well because they know Ukraine has got blackmail. I also think beginning in 1994 when Bill Clinton forced ukraine to give up its massive nuclear weapons arsenal i mean why would they have done that that was insane because if ukraine had that arsenal even though they were old weapons that would have stopped the russians from coming in so the minute that happened the democratic party elite in particular began a very bizarre and close relationship with the ukrainian elite that has gone on since strobe talbot went there in 1994 um the chalupa sisters uh in 19 and in 2016 uh were hillary clinton foreign policy advisors and they were encamped at the washington dc embassy of ukraine working out of the ukrainian emb- politico did a whole uh expose chalupa on the two sisters yeah that ch- uh, yeah, yeah i think it was anna ch- i don't remember her first name but it was chalupa was the last name um and uh she was and a senior advisor to the clinton administration the clinton campaign um and they were basically ensuring that the clinton the clinton campaign and what they thought was going to be the hillary clinton administration were going to be very very close to ukraine because of the relationship that was formed by her husband and the ukrainian elite going back to the 90s so the democratic party in particular has been extremely close to the ukrainian elite and at the end of the day whatever um yeah. you know the 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 the, the fact is Ukraine was aggrieved. Russia illegally and unflawfully invaded Ukraine. It is not in America's interest to let Russia enter and invade and dominate Ukraine because they will not stop there. We have a we really do have to give Ukraine the ability to preserve their territorial integrity. But at some point, we need to recognize that we have leverage over Ukraine. And that if we do not exert some of that leverage now, as they're pushing the Russians to the fringes of eastern Ukraine to stop them from totally doing this, what's going to happen is Vladimir Putin will think he has no off ramp. He will know that his economy is collapsing and it is starting to now. He will know that his people are overall opposed to this war and they are and if he can't win conventionally which he can't anymore he'll lash out he he will lash out because he knows if he doesn't try to change the conditions on the ground in ukraine to be able to say i'm giving you a win russia somebody's going to put a bullet in the back of his head yeah because he used to be the guy that put the bullets in the back of the heads of other guys
0: it's it's what that country's built on
1: that's what it's the silnaya ruka that's the term he is this it's the iron fist and when you weaken then you die And, uh, you know, that's that's what he's up against. And as it relates to Iran, I think it's very funny last year, as in the middle of this invasion of Ukraine, as Putin is letting slip the dogs of war and Biden is saying we will not end our support of Ukraine, um, the Biden administration's meeting in Vienna with representatives both from Iran as well as Russia, hoping that that iran will be cowed by the russians even as the russians are laughing saying you americans think we're going to do you any favors in iran as you're beating us in ukraine screw you we're going to support iran even more and so it's just really crazy the way that this administration they don't see the connection you're very right to point out there is a connection between ukraine and iran and if we're going to support ukraine okay we better also support the protesters in Iran because letting Iran go on as it is under the Islamists is actually going to empower the Russians in the region of the Middle East. And also, uh, you know, God knows what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine, but it's just a very bizarre thing that we're trying to create these divisions where none exist. Russia will act in their interests, whether it's in Ukraine or Iran. Why do we think any differently? It's bizarre.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I'm i Whenever I'm looking at these, whenever I look at these things, I'm always just, I'm always imagining like Google earth and just like zooming out and zooming out and zooming out. And I'm trying to like, no, I'm not literally looking at geography. I just mean like, I'm trying to just think of like every book I've read and every like past CIA operation and like even pre-America, just like the rise and I'm always like, what if it doesn't make sense, you know, if something's Mm. not making sense, it's, it's something's not adding up right it's, there's always when the when the books don't balance you don't go well that's nifty you go this is fraud right i mean right. just two years ago i was still working at a liquor store i mean you count the early morning thing and you're like yeah it says 136 and like it should say 140 and i'm like mm-hmm. i just looked at it they're like we're not opening the store yet where's that four dollars and i'm sitting right. there like hung over like i don't fucking but and then you go through and you find it you go there it is it was tips or whatever so when something doesn't make sense it's, there's fuckery afoot right so i'm tr- trying to so on one hand i do look at your your hypothesis that it's it's for peace in the area because let's let's now take what we just said why would ukraine give up their nuclear weapons in 94 this would have acted as deterrence we could take that and go does that apply to iran now does when you have deterrence does this lead to more peace so there's one nugget the other is is are we fucking in Ukraine? Excuse my French. I know. I you know you're always very clean, and I'm always I sound like a like a moron just swearing. But not in my personal life. I okay. swear. Okay. It, okay. It's it's just it's the passion coming out. But are we messing with Ukraine to be sort of set up like a funhouse to taunt Russia in their backyard because Russia is in bed with Iran, who is in South America, taunting us? Is it a form of like mutual assured? perhaps haunting and maybe is the rest of this sort of the the bread and circus for the you know we're here and we're going to nuclear war are they looking at it from a million mile altitude and going they're not going to stop messing in south america they're probably running a bunch of ops on us that's not going to be declassified for 50 years and are we just a little and this is this is kind of i guess almost in like a pro biden view are we just sort of tit for tatting in Ukraine you would hope, right but I don't I think would that's hope. the
1: case. I really, you know, you keep saying that they're smart and individually, there are some smart people there like Kirk Campbell, uh, who I, I you know, respect the hell out of. He's their China advisor. He's a hawk on China. Uh He got it wrong in, under Obama when he said it was OK to let them build those islands. But he has really come back into government, you know, <laughs> intending on making China pay. So individually, there are some people around even Biden who I kind of say, OK, they're not that bad. Um, but as a group, I really think because Biden is so brain dead, he's I really think he's got Alzheimer's. You have instead of one leader where everybody kind of reports to uh, you really have these competing power centers with their different ideas and interests. And so I don't actually think there's this long-term vision. They keep talking about how these people are so brilliant. I think that they are just trying to do whatever okay. they think is ideologically in their interests. Uh, I think there is some of that military-industrial complex as well involved. Yeah, but that's been. that's not really, I think, the driver that's here. I think that's, that's the baseline.
0: That's the threshold. Know, they're going to... Yeah. That's really, you know, I'm reminded. Hey, you are never gonna stop looting, right? You know, <laughs> I,
1: I'm I'm reminded of I I don't know about you. I grew up watching you know Star Trek, and there's there is one show I loved it was Deep Space Nine, and one of the characters was this he was uh, this creature, and he was uh, basically the bartender on the show, but he was from a species that all they did was do deals, and they were like it was supposed to be like a, a comedy about capitalism, but it was brilliant. And one of the episodes I remember, he was sitting there talking with these two warring groups, and he said. He said, um, peace is good for business. And then he looked over, he said, war is good for business too. And the way I look at it is the military industrial complex is always going to find a way to make money. So I don't know if that's always the driver. I think the driver in this case is the fact that you've got radical left-wing ideologues who really believe things like America is the greatest source of evil in its present form and that the whole system needs to be torn down and re rebuilt in Marxist image uh, you know to to be just I think you've got a lot of that I think you have a lot of uh short-term corporate interests global corporate interests uh really manipulating things I think you have also just a lot of a lot of stupidity you know Jake Sullivan who's the national security advisor supposedly the most brilliant national security Security advisor we ever had went to Yale. Um, He said at the Aspen Ideas Festival over the summer, unsolicited, he just volunteered this. I think he was trying to be funny, but it's kind of scary. Uh, He said that, you know, before I got this job as national security advisor, I didn't even know what a supply chain was. And I heard that and I'm just like, well, it explains a lot. So I think you have a lot of ignorance as well. You have a lot of ideologues and a lot of ignorance. These are people who most of them have never had a real job. They've never had to balance a budget. You know, when I worked in government, you know, we talk about budgets all the time. When you have a business, your job is to save money, is to get the most bang for your buck. When you work in government, your goal is to take your your the budget you're allotted and spend it all before the end of the year. So, so you, you can get more, yeah. so you can get more. So this is a perverse way of doing business, if you will. Uh, and so I, I think we have a lot of ideologues and idiots running the show. Uh, I think it's true of the Republicans as well. There's a lot of those in the Republican Party as well. But in the case of Biden, I really think a lot of what's going on, the reason it doesn't make sense, some of it is corruption. Some of it, though, I think is just downright short-sightedness and stupidity. Uh, and it's the same thing with Carter, by the way. You know, Carter was, for all intents and purposes, from an IQ level, one of the smartest men we've ever elected. Oh, Yeah. New- Nuclear engineer. Uh, he was Hyman Rickover's uh, aide de camp in the Navy, who was th- probably the father of the modern submarine force. Uh, had it not been for his parents passing away and having to go take over the peanut farm, he would have become an admiral in the Navy. He would have replaced Rickover. So who knows what history would have really been like. Uh, his wife did not want to leave the, him to leave the Navy. She wanted to be an, a Navy wife, but he did the right thing by his family. So he was also somewhat of a moral man. But He was the biggest idiot when it came to running the country. He couldn't do it. He was a micromanager. He was like Captain Queeg is what Nigel Hamilton compared him to. That was Humphrey Bogart's character in The Kane Mutiny. Uh, he was obsessing over every little detail. Uh, he micromanaged everyone. He didn't let people kind of develop their own system for working for him. Uh, and it showed. And Biden is not a micromanager per se, but he has a lot of people around him who just have no business being where they are. And it shows. Um, And I think that's true of many Democratic administrations going back to Carter. I think the last kind of competent president we had as a Democrat was either Truman or Kennedy. And there was a lot of problems there. Uh, I wouldn't include LBJ in that because LBJ was a target picker. He didn't understand how to, you know, he just didn't understand how to let people do their job and work for him. Um, So anyway, though, that's, you know, I I don't know if they're really that smart in the Biden administration. I think as a group, they're, they're really quite dumb. Um, And I think that's why we're, we're having this, these things happen. Biden came in uh, and he destroyed our domestic energy capabilities, making us more reliant on Russia and Saudis. Uh, He's, at war with the russians by proxy and then he's picking fights with the saudis because he doesn't like their human rights record and he's trying to hand off weapons of mass destruction to their religious rivals in iran he's very and now he's surprised that saudi arabia wants to cut all this production of oil they're sticking it to us because they think biden's been sticking it to them and the saudis are not wrong
0: you know in terms of the i guess when i always say like these people aren't dumb my I think the the reasoning for that is, is, um, I always, I always hate when, when people kind of write someone or something off as dumb. Sure. Because I think that's a, and this isn't to you. I mean, I think that's just like a, I think we're giving them an out that they don't deserve when you call an evil person dumb. Yeah. I get like a clinically insane person and they kill someone and it's like, they need to go to jail. And then you talk to them and, they think that, you know, their dog is God and that the CIA is listening to their teeth and you're like, oh, right. this person isn't there. Like right. I get that. It's uh but that does also mean that also doesn't mean that they're not dumb. Like there are dumb people, but that's kind of my just default is I always just assume like, don't give them the benefit of the doubt. I well,
1: it's ignorance and arrogance. Yeah. It's ignorance and so so they they don't know as much as they think they know. They are informed by their ideology for the most mm-hmm. part, particularly the political appointees. You talk about people in government for their whole career, that's a different story. Yeah. But I'm talking about the Biden political appointees. Gotcha. And then also you pair that to this notion that their ideology, the left-wing ideology, is the greatest. It's it's perfect, it's it's almost quasi-religious. That gives them a sense of arrogance, that ignorance and arrogance pairs very nicely for making very bad choices and for getting America into really bad positions. And that's where we are, because most of the crises we're facing over the last few years are entirely of our own making.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's say. And yeah, and when I say like, I think Biden has dementia. That's not i even, really think he does yeah that's not no, a, I, I really think he does that's not a criticism i i've said this on and off camera it makes me think of my late grandmother who passed in 2018 and her final couple couple years you know her memory was going right. and she was always she was never she never fully gone she was still you right know, she'd still remember my name but like i look at her and um her final years were spent surrounded by family 24 7 never in a nursing home like moved into my aunt's grandkids cousins always around just everyone's always with Mimi and you know? I was always just every day there's someone with her there is you know just Ed, always get her like a McDonald's milkshake or something if she wanted to say a prayer you'd say a prayer you'd watch the same movie every day and it was just it was just a, it was the most like loving passionate right. way I've ever seen someone kind of like go out of life and I always say to my you know my my parents who are very conservative and they agree you know as much as they don't like Biden I'm, I always say I'm like Biden should be where Mimi is like Biden should be surrounded by like, I don't even view this as a, Oh, it's a Democrat. I'm like, that's an old man that your family should be around. Like, I don't even have like hatred in my heart when I, Well, he
1: gave a speech in 1997. It it was on C-SPAN replay recently. And I happened to just come, come by it. He was talking at the time about admitting Eastern European States into NATO and how that would, you know, risk war with Russia. It was, for Biden, who never was very articulate, but it was very crisp, clean, cogent. It was a different man speaking. He was calm, he was affable, he was funny. The Biden of today slurs his words, can't keep string a sentence together. You can tell has no idea where he is. He suffers, I think, from aphasia uh, and also he is angry all the time because people all with dementia and Alzheimer's. They get frustrated well, yeah, when they can't remember what they want to do or say. Yeah. Uh, I have a family member right now that we've been dealing with who has very bad dementia, uh, and he will start to. He wanted a, a a paper towel yesterday, and he he couldn't figure. You know, he goes, "I I you know the thing." He goes, "Oh damn it! Oh the thing! You know it's the wiper hands." And so that's Biden, and then Biden lashes out. Um, at his staff, that wasn't Biden back in the yeah. day. I worked on the Hill when Biden was there, I knew people on Biden's staff. I remember when Biden was vice president, it was a very different experience. He he was a very different guy, a lot more affable. Um, he was kind of like you know, you're you know, the, the, the loud mouth guy at the bar that everybody likes to laugh at. Um, now he's an angry old guy who is clearly compromised uh in more ways than one and he supposedly got his finger on the button and that's very scary it's very scary
0: yeah no and it's it's i mean i had a concussion in may and i was losing my temper because i was just forgetting like if i were to be talked for like two weeks i couldn't even remember the name of the person i was talking to and yeah it was frustrating because you're like you just feel like you're like losing like your grip on like the most you know consistent thing you have like short-term memory but um that being said, I think there are some really evil people who are looking Absolutely. at the, who are looking at the person we're looking at and going that person should be surrounded by family and they're looking at that and going, oh, we got ourselves opportunity, we got ourselves a pup, which is yeah. just.
1: Well, I it's mean, also like, by inner, the way, inner circle of what? hell evil. Well, uh, yeah, but it's also. Putin sits down with Biden last well, year before all the, and he's, you know, we have to remember Putin was a trained KGB counterintel. He yeah. was the guy, he was the guy who hunted, he was the spy who hunted spies, Yeah. okay? So he's trained in a certain way. He went to the Andropov Institute of the KGB house where he received his training. Um, now I know some people who say, you know, his legend is, is overstated, okay, fine. The bottom line is he was received a certain amount of training and experience that makes him a very good read of people. And he knew Biden going back decades because Biden was the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairman in the Senate. Then he was vice president. He met with Putin throughout the last 30 years. Putin sits down with Biden as president, takes one look at him, and I guarantee you, he says to himself, this guy is not the same guy. This guy is America's Chernenko. This guy is a guy I can push around and take advantage of. And he's surrounded by a bunch of ideological twits who all have their own agenda and who really don't have a keen understanding of the world. Uh, And I can really, I can walk all over him. Now, that assumption that Putin made was partly right, but he did not anticipate Ukraine being as capable as it was at defending itself, which you can thank Trump for all of those years of, helping them prepare but that's another story um you know and and you know, the same thing with Iran you, for all intents and purposes the regime in Iran should be on their knees thanking and begging Biden for make trying to make them, you know, part of the world trading system again, remo- trying to remove the Trump era sanctions, trying to get let them get back into the nuclear deal that Obama did, that Trump pulled out of, that will basically hand nuclear weapons and sophisticated ballistic missiles to the Iranian regime, which they absolutely need if they are to have a shot at becoming the hegemon of the Middle East. But- what is Iran's leadership doing? They're bullying Biden publicly. They're mocking him in their media, even as they're expecting him to pay them, give them all that money back that we took in, you know when we froze their assets, where they're expecting him to give them all of these sweetheart deals. And they're making fun of them and they're pushing him around. They're trying to show their people, America's not your savior. Look at who they're led by. We are your savior. Okay, this is because Biden is perceived as a weak, doddering old man who's surrounded by weaklings and bureaucrats and eunuchs who will not be able to stand up to bullies, just as it was under the Obama years. And that is exactly what we're replicating. And that is the problem that we're facing. And it's very dangerous because if you let Iran get worked back into the system, even more so than what's going on in Ukraine, I think, the moment we normalize relations with Iran and let them get nukes, Saudi Arabia picks up the phone to Pakistan and says, we're completing that order we put in 2009 for 19 nuclear devices, send them our way, and then Israel's going to be in a position where they have no, they feel they have no choice but to do a preemptive airstrike on Iran's nuclear facilities. And, they and will. Bob's your uncle, you now have World War III
0: Yeah,
1: in a nuclearized Middle East. Very bad, very bad. Meanwhile, you still got this stuff with Ukraine going on, and you're going to have very soon, I think, an attempted invasion by China of Taiwan. This is a and but don't forget North Korea, by the way.
0: Oh yeah, they're back in the fold.
1: Yeah, yeah. I miss mean tweets sometimes. You know,
0: miss them so much. Yeah, miss them so much. Yeah, I feel like that 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 rant you just went on. I feel like it's on like a PowerPoint and then like uh, somebody hits the clicker and turns it off. And then it's just, it's Elon turning around and going, and this gentleman is why I need funding to get us to Mars. To Mars. Well, that is, is o- the whole point. Cause it yeah. is, o- it's over. Yeah. And I just see a bunch of guys, go- a bunch of philanthropists shelling
1: out. <laughs> and that's, but, but you know, and that's why people, so I think it was wrong what Elon said about Taiwan. Uh, I think was prop- it probably,
0: what did he say about so China? You
1: know, he said a couple of days ago about Ukraine that basically they should just do a deal, cede the Russian speaking portion to the to the Russians and let the, yeah. the free. side, you know, and I that's something that you and I have been talking about for a year now. Yeah. Um, and I happen to agree generally with him. I think he was being too generous in the territory he was saying that the Russians should get. But that's a detail. But then a day later, or a day or two later on Twitter, he came out and said, also, we should let um, we should tell Taiwan to give up dreams of being an independent country uh, and w- we should let them become a special administrative region of China, like Hong Kong and Macau were for the last, you know, 50 years, which of course we know how that ends. We know how it ended so, in Hong Kong.
0: Who, so who's got the blackmail on Elon?
1: Well, that's a, well, Elon has a lot of business connections with China yeah. and also the Chinese government said that they're going to make Elon quote pay for what he said about Ukraine. Um, but the point is, I think, Setting aside some of those business interests, my thought is we know going back to 2005, the founding of SpaceX, that Elon Musk has been obsessed with getting humanity to another planet. And when he was asked why he's so committed to this, he said, because humanity being on one planet only is a recipe for disaster, because either we're going to get taken out by a natural disaster, global warming in his mind, or an asteroid strike, or World War III will go nuclear, and we won't have any redundancies out there, and humanity dies on this planet in that crisis. So he wants to get to Mars and have a chance of building a viable colony, but he's not ready yet technologically. So I think the reason he's saying this stuff is less because of blackmail and more because he's Uh, an idealist trying to buy time for his technology to mature.
0: He's scrolling all the way out on the map.
1: That's what I think. And And I do think, though, it's very dangerous that he has. These business ties to China.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: but he's wrong about Taiwan. He's very sure, wrong, I think.
0: Sure, but I mean, I, I'm trying to, and I, and again, I'm a, admittedly an Elon fan. So you know, as am I. I yeah, a so giving yeah, him praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. So he I doesn't know
1: return my emails, but you know, hey, I doesn't still return mine
0: either. Listen, I mm-hmm. I didn't write a book about him, but like, I do, I do kind of get that. Where it's almost like. But, yeah, you're doing business with China, and I know you're trying to, like, you know, bide your time and mature your technology and continue stacking the money to get us to Mars. Just devil's advocate for Elon. He might be saying, like, I don't care if it's a Chinese world or an American world. he's, he's I looking, think that's the case. He's looking all the way out at, like, millennia, and he's going, empires rise and fall. The American yeah. empire, whether it's this year or in a century or whatever, will be done, just like Britain, just like Spain, just like whoever.
1: Exactly I think I says. think his
0: exact quote is uh, we need to get to Mars so that the light of human consciousness is not extinguished
1: yeah and the problem with that thought is yes empires do rise and fall America will eventually be. You know um, it will in history. time it will but just but the, the the issue is is that for now we are still the best thing even with all of our problems we are still the best thing in the world uh a, a chinese dominated world is a very bleak world and it's one that doesn't prize people like elon musk it is one that will and seek is, to stymie them
0: and is it worth is it worth giving that world a backup hard drive? Right. Is that and even worth also for?
1: that's right. And also, one more thing, when Biden was first sworn in, I was approached by a contact at the Pentagon. Someone in Kamala Harris's circle wanted to talk to me. They were corralling a bunch of space experts because the vice president heads the White House Space Council. And so she wanted to get briefed on some issues about space. And they said that we'd like you to be one of the people she talks to, and or her people. I never talked to her. It's her people. And I said, okay, but you do know, they said, we read your book. Everybody knows you're a Trump guy, but you are one of the leading authorities on national security space policy. And we, and I thought, this is great. Maybe, maybe Biden's going to be different. Maybe his team's going to be, and I thought, okay. I did not get paid. I said, I'm you don't need to pay me for this. This is, I'll I'll do this because I'm a Patriot. So I, I, I received the phone call. It was around inauguration. I can't remember if it was two weeks before or two weeks after, but it was around inauguration. And I talked to his science advisor and one of them, and she, um, was peppering me with questions about who owns space legally in my interpretation, and she said, we're talking to other people, we're talking to actual space lawyers, but we want to know what you think. And I said, okay. I said, well, and I and I realized quickly by her questioning and what she was saying to me in that two-hour conversation, I realized that they were going after Elon. And the reason they were going to go after Elon was because he had said in November of 2020 that uh, if SpaceX got to Mars, uh, it would not be governed by American yeah, law it would be governed by either SpaceX corporate policy or by more likely the international law that governs the Arctic and the Antarctic. And that was disconcerting to many people, including myself, because SpaceX survives because of U.S. government contracts. Mm -hmm. So on some level, Elon Musk is obligated, I think, when and if he does get to Mars or anywhere else in the solar system, and creates a civil or you know a colony there. In my opinion, he is obligated; he's duty bound to create a system that is predicated on U.S. law. Furthermore, U.S. law is the most business-friendly, even still today with all the regulations. It's the most efficient. It's the still the most fair uh, legal system in the world. So, why you wouldn't want to replicate that is beyond me. Um, but from a, a military perspective. It's very dangerous to allow for a company that's based in America that is increasingly an important component of America's national security construct to then basically freelance in the solar system. And so I told Harris's people that it was very disturbing what he said. You should communicate this to him privately when you take power. At the same time, He is literally the only one keeping us in the space race with China. And if you come down too hard on him, you're going to kill his business. You're going to kill his innovation. You're going to then send a signal to the rest of the industry that if you act like Elon, you're going to get regulated to death and that's going to seed the high ground of China. So it's better to just talk to the man and convince him, hey, don't say this stuff. And hey, you got to fly the flag when you're on Mars, rather than coming down on him. And of course they came down on him. They canceled his launches. They started, FAA started regulating him when they never did before. Uh, And I wrote a piece in the Washington Times, which got me basically banned and blacklisted for almost the entirety of 2020 uh, on social. Yeah. Um, But anyway, my my point with this is that um, Elon, I think is of the mind that we need to be in a post-national mindset. Yeah, I but mean, I the, don't agree with that. No, sure, I sure. don't agree with that.
0: I mean that right. That was that first kind of surfaced in right 1918, 1990, 19 League of Nations came about yeah. again right after the A bomb. Oppenheimer, they were all talking about there needs to be world powers. Right, this could be Elon playing it, and again, it, it's you know we're talking about the richest guy in the world, so clearly he's got some uh, tactics that you know you and I may well and there's
1: something also you know he is I think still and you know he had a rivalry if he was a friend of me with Peter Thiel who co-founded PayPal with him we know Peter Thiel is intimately involved with the Trump Republican movement Mm -hmm. um I think that Elon Musk is coordinating with Peter Thiel um you know Peter Thiel's group believes certain things like we need to do a deal with Russia over Ukraine a lot of these people on the the, the Peter Thiel right, I like Peter Thiel fine, just fine. Uh, but a lot of these people around him that he's supporting uh, believe that Taiwan is not worth a fight with China with China over. Um, and I think he's starting to parrot that because I think he's getting increasingly more involved in that new right movement. Yeah, which is fine. But I there and I'm of that mindset for the most part. But there are certain things where I disagree with them on, and one of them is a. We should be supporting Ukraine up to a point, and B, we should not let Taiwan fall, because that is not in America's geostrategic interests. And C, when and if we do get to Mars, it should be the American flag flying there, not some international flag. You know, I pointed this out in the book, uh, Winning Space, the second to last chapter. It was nations that got the colonies set up in the New World, France. The Netherlands, Britain, Spain. It was not some pie in the sky global government. West it East wasn't it wasn't even the the. it wasn't even uh, the Hudson Bay Company or the East India Company that came after those were given mandates by their home governments, usually yeah. Britain in this case, to go forth in the name of the queen and settle. But they still flew the British flag.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And it's the same thing with SpaceX. I'm fine with giving them kind of a letters of Mark to say, go out into the cosmos in our name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who, but and... you
1: can't just avoid the whole America factor. Yeah.
0: Maybe in his, maybe in his mind, it's um, maybe that will get the U.S. government to foot more of the bill.
1: Maybe, maybe. Hey, hey. And we should because NASA's failing bigly. Sure. So we're going to need to stay in the race somehow. It and right be, now, SpaceX is the main game in town. It
0: might be something like that where, hey, I'm, I'll throw 200 billion at it. Give me an extra 10%. Yeah. And yeah, I'll slap that flag on there. I have no idea. Or he's just an asshole. I, I don't know. Or he's looking at like decades long term and he's going, maybe I lose American support. But by saying it's not an American or any nation thing, that might open up the covers of the the european space agency and the chinese i don't know i do th- I, I do think it, he but...
1: might also be making a calculation that maybe china is the future really uh, eric be... prince made the same con- remember eric prince made the same calculation eric prince who's the head of blackwater mm-hmm. largest private military contracting firm in the world after 2008, he was sick and tired of the US government going after him after he won contracts, you know, saying that he violated human rights, etc. He then opened up facilities in China and served as this is maybe not well known, but he, Blackwater, became as much of an agent of Chinese mm-hmm. influence, notably in Africa, as it was of addition. American influence in the Middle East. Yeah, and any- so. Sorry, these cor- these these multinational corporations that begin as american enterprises become internationalist in their outlook because of how they grow and maybe these business leaders are saying you know america's in decline the chinese are right they're the future uh, we're going to hedge our bets. That's what these wall street guys always do. They hedge. And maybe this is Elon and all these other billionaires who have business interests saying we're going to protect our interests. Yes. We're going to do business with America, obviously in Europe, but maybe they are in decline. Maybe we should also hedge with China.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you make uh, frontier services and they're mm-hmm. working with China for belt and road initiative. Yeah. And then Yep. There's some people that think that that is like a U.S. intel operation. Hopefully. To, hopefully. Hopefully. Get, get close. I, I to mean, China. look,
1: overall, I'm a big fan of Eric Prince. Uh, Eric has written for I'm the trying. same publication I do and trying to get him
0: uh, two years networking.
1: He's great. I've, I've never met him personally. We, we know a lot of the same people through the Institute of World Politics. Uh, generally speaking, I think he performs a vital function. Um, I don't like the idea of mercenaries in general, but. You know, we don't it's have enough people the, in
0: the... It's also one of the oldest traditions on the planet. It is.
1: <laughs> and we don't have enough people volunteering to fight, and we're overcommitted as it is. So they're a great stopgap. And it is what it is. But, you know, him personally, I think he's an honorable guy for the most part. And I think that he, yeah. you know, I think it might be a service.
0: I think, again, with my limited experience in this world, based on, uh, I did interview two weeks ago Rick Prada, who was a CIA paramilitary yeah. legend. And uh, yeah. he talks about in his book, Eric Prince, and he 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 kind of in you know doesn't really reveal a whole lot, but he's like I guarantee you, he's like history will look on him as more of a patriot than most people can. He imagine. is a patriot. Like, I have so, no doubt in my mind. But I I, I have no whatever no, mistakes he may
1: have made. He he is a patriot. I believe I th- that fully.
0: I think Mr. Prado and he has so, all the right enemies. Yeah, I think Mr. Prado is almost saying with like a wink and a nod, like it it'll come out that he's which makes which tend to leads more evidence in my mind to keep your friends close and your enemies close. Absolutely. Why not let China think they've got frontier services? How else would you get on the ground intel?
1: And frankly, Bannon's idea of using Eric Prince in Afghanistan to replace U S forces was probably the best idea for having our cake and eating it. When it came to Afghanistan, we'd yeah. been able to pull our forces out safely and still maintain what interests normally not pretty much counterterrorism interests we had there by keeping that Blackwater and CIA paramilitary force in place. But of course, that went out the yeah. window with with Biden with Kabul,
0: yeah, Prada talks about um he and Prada talks about it, he goes, uh he's like blackwater. Well, he goes he has built a better army. He's like, that's just a fact. He goes it's a better he was yeah, like, there was the a
1: guy here in who who's retired, Blackwater, and he he was an interesting guy. He had yeah. some pretty interesting stories of what yeah. they were doing in Africa. Yeah,
0: Prado was telling yeah. me you were saying in his book he was like he's like and that shouldn't be a surprise. Of course, the private institution's better than the public one. Like, right, it's better. Well, look
1: at SpaceX. Look at <laughs> SpaceX. There look you at go. what they're doing in a fraction of the cost that NASA does. Look yeah. at what they're doing. You know, yeah. and for them, it's about it is about pro- There's something to be said about the profit motive. You know, Absolutely. you have an obligation to make you have a fiduciary responsibility to make money for yourself and the company you lead. Yeah. That is your incentive.
0: Yeah. And well, you I-
1: have to be efficient because you're always going to have less resources than the government has. And yet the government has all these resources. You know, I, I also teach. I don't know if you know that I, I so I I've I've seen it day in and day out with teaching where, you know, we don't, we, we give our, our schools, all of the resources in the world. We have probably one of the best funded department of education systems here in the United States. Yet we have, we're churning out the stupidest least competent people for the last 30 years and it's getting worse. So more money does not equal better outcomes. Yeah. It's about leadership accountability and all that is, is part of the profit motive.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. It, absolutely. I'm a massive fan of it. Why am I doing a podcast today when I, you know, feel sick of shit and it's well, I want this right. thing to grow. It's on me and right. I want it to grow. That does lead to greatness. It's just what right. it is. There's a reason right. for there's a reason You're for grinding. Yeah, yes. it's, it's there's nothing else yes. will move you towards it faster. And it's just right. it's just and as the and even as private companies get more bloated like North of Grumman or Boeing get more incestuous with the government, they become right. what a surprise. Less, less, less efficient. They yeah. less for the I just finished yeah. um a uh, book. I'm trying to get the author on. No success. Trying, I just finished the book, uh, Kill Chain, by Andrew Cockburn, and he's just going through all of it and talking about like, oh, uh, these... co- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's
1: another book called Kill Chain by Matt Boos who's uh who used to work on the Hill.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. But he's going through and he's talking about all these smaller startup, you know, companies. And you know, Grumman's like, we can build you a drone, three hundred million a pop. And then you have right. some other company that's like, I'll do it for two hundred thousand. And it's like, you still see as these monoliths get bigger. They kind of almost get absorbed by the government. Well,
1: and also and then the shit. corruption. Then the corruption and then, and then you know there was a Senate and then there it's was
0: a theory, Gore, Senate, yeah. about then then was a theory districts
1: about why we left all the equipment in Afghanistan, all that beautiful equipment.
0: So we have to buy And new the
1: shit. reason so you have to buy new stuff.
0: But it's also yeah. I look at it as like uh you're also look you're also just instead of getting caught red-handed, you know, funding the rebels in 10 years, which we'll be doing because it's what we do forever, we're not yeah. preemptively fund them. Give them a bunch of NRAPs. Right. and you need them, right. there it is. It's, yeah. that wasn't us, that was the last administration. And then the game right. keeps going forward. Or maybe, and then I guess kind of last note, and we'll wrap this up, is, um, you know, maybe it's less of that Musk sees the future being China and less that Eric Prince sees the future being China. Maybe there's, Maybe you have to open your mind even more. Maybe we are moving to it's dystopian, but maybe we are moving towards a future of the multinational conglomerate. Maybe they have yeah. built their own So How long until you know all the countries are kind of yeah. taken, all the geography is taken up.
1: Get to a new planet. All of a sudden right. you
0: have Amazon country. And right.
1: Well, think about Alien, the the move, the first day and second Alien, right? Yeah, they had they that moved. corporation Wayland or uh, yeah. something. It was all about corporations jockeying for dominance in space and
0: how is that really any different than nations it's just it's just a different name
1: another thing another thing that these these rich businessmen might be trying to do with china is particularly people like prince and spacex musk they have all these contracts with the government. They're very exposed to the U.S. government and its whims. One day it's giving it contracts. The next day they're trying to destroy the business because they don't like Elon Musk or they don't like uh, Eric Prince's politics. Uh, maybe possibly the reason they're doing more business with China is because they're they're trying to insulate themselves. They're trying to protect them, saying, hey, America if you're going to try to kill my business because the new president doesn't like me, well, I'm just going to do business with your rival in China and okay. screw you. It might you be
0: know? as a yeah, form of like induced self-defense. And, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. hey, don't fuck with me. Right. Yeah, it might be a form. We might be witnessing the, and it's not that, yeah, it might be the witness of nations as an idea or following. Yeah. It might be. And that's not, that's not a good, but it's also, no. I mean, you know, this is kind of a dark pill to swallow, but like, If we're talking about how much more efficient private corporations are, yeah. You might start to have, you know, America Inc. And it might be a lot better than America.
1: So maybe but at,
0: better than socialist countries. It's, yes,
1: it's, but at the same time, you have to be careful because remember what open. Carl, right? Remember what Carl Icahn said about 10 years ago. Carl Icahn was railing against corporate structures. He said it was the last acceptable form of feudalism in the West. Yeah. The hierarchical yeah, nature. No, no you're you know, not and wrong. So, and
0: as we just saw yeah. with the vaccine mandates, like, hey, you know, maybe yeah. the whole lockstep thing isn't good. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. Whatever it is, it's sure as hell not boring whatever the hell nope. whatever part of life we're in right now in this moment in human human history a little spicier than i'd like it yeah in,
1: I, god damn it's fun i kind of miss the simplicity of the cold war yeah I, I wish there's I could nothing of that
0: me too I, and it's my favorite like, bit like i got history, the too.
1: tail end of it i got like the last eight eighties yeah. i got yeah, i didn't even trip, i was but... born
0: in 90s so i'm like yeah i'm like it's yeah, maybe yeah. that's where my roots are but
1: yeah well the 90s were definitely phenomenal but yeah you
0: know. yeah who knows though maybe you know I can't help but think that in like eighty years people are like fuck I was a wish I was a, I was I wish I was alive for the twenties, the roaring twenties, no, the even cooler ones like
1: No, I think it's I think it's gonna be the raging twenties. Yeah,
0: it they, might they, be. It is, I yeah. mean, but we also got these yeah. just almost trillionaires like we're gonna go set up another planet. Like we're living Yeah, they're a, gonna
1: leave us behind. Yeah, we're
0: living <laughs> in a wild moment. Like, Mm -hmm. fuck the Wild West. No, we're going true Wild West. Like, we're going to another planet with different gravity. Like, you don't even forget saloons. Like, we don't even know what the weather is here. Like, the the nighttime sky is
1: different. Can't breathe properly here. Right.
0: Wild West. I mean, I don't well, I mean, it's not I'd
1: just rather it be us than the Chinese. A hundred percent. That's a hundred percent.
0: You know, I'd rather us kind of not be here, but we are here. And, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as I know, I don't have access to time travel. So instead of complaining about it, I'm gonna try to just take it on. Just take it on head on. Yeah. Whatever this thing is, this this ride is getting wild. Um mm-hmm. Mr. Wikert, I'll put your Twitter in thank the description, you, sir. links to all your books. You. Um, I'll text you right now before I forget, and we'll set up another episode for the book. Yeah, yeah. And um Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure thank talking you. to you. You always uh, yes, sir. you always get keep my head spinning and For everybody watching, that jacket, that fucking, Uh, it's it, it it fits, it fits. Thank you, Mr. Brandon Waikar. Thank you so much. Links to your books will be in the description, Twitter, website, all that good stuff. Go follow him. Thank you so much.